We're talking about Zave's beard, if he should keep it or not. I'm a month strong. You're a month strong. I was going to say, if you decide to shave your hair off, as we've discussed previously, I think a bald head and a bearded man, it just works. There's something about bald and beard. (laughs) I can look like 10 years older overnight. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. Well, it works out because we're over here talking about some grown issues. How about we get into it? Today's episode is something I want to know more about um, budgeting. I'm excited to talk about this one. I really am because it's something that has evolved for me a lot in such a short amount of time. I'm really excited to get into this one. And like, it's such, it's such like a no shoe fits all, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. This is not a one size shoe fits all of us. Like we all got different size feet. Some of us got bunions. It's crazy. (laughs) Let's get into it. Let's do it. Welcome to Money Baggage, a financial literacy podcast brought to you by Hightower Advisors to spread knowledge about something that affects us all, money. We're your hosts, Joe Franco. And I'm Zave. And we're on an investigation to learn how to strategically deal with our money baggage. We're going to be covering everything from debt to savings to credit cards to buying a home. We're trying to help everyone grow that money mindset and push this next generation forward to grow our financial independence together. Knowledge is wealth, so let's handle this money baggage. As we mentioned, today's all about budgeting. I need to know, as always, do you budget? I do budget, Joe. I did some research doing this and there's a couple of tactics that I kind of do without even realizing that it's like a well, well-researched well thing a little bit. Every time I get paid, I put my money aside for savings. I put my savings in and I don't even look at it. And I think that's probably the biggest budgeting method I do now is put money into savings, survive off of what else you have. It's pretty simple, but it works. So how much of your paycheck are you putting away into the like... I'll never see this again pile. I try to do like 40%. Obviously, like sometimes that does work. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, life comes at you fast. But I think I've been doing a really good job of it. I'm proud of myself. I guess I want to hear a little bit about how you budget now and how you started to budget. Like I've said before, I'm an elastic saver, elastic budgeter. Like I'm not over here counting every penny that I spend and saying, this goes towards my travel budget. This goes towards my accommodation budget. What I love to do is just look at my finances every single month and tell myself, okay, we've crossed the threshold of what I should be spending. So I've basically got it down to a science. I have a few, I only have two credit cards that I use. One is personal, one is business. That's a lie. I have two personal credit cards and two business credit cards, but I only use two credit cards at a time. And I spend everything on credit cards and I pay all my credit cards off in full. So it's easy for me to look at credit card statements and see, okay, this is how much money I'm spending every month. And so when my credit card bill is over a certain number, I'm like, okay, we got to reel it back. So that's the extent of my budgeting. And I do what you do. All the money that I have, essentially like half of it or more goes into savings and I just don't touch it. I even put it in a different bank account, like in a high yield savings account. So I don't see it in my main dashboard with the rest of my money. I don't even want to see it, right? (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind. If it's not in my mind, I can't use it. It's saved. I mean, I think that's something I started to do pretty recently was actually track what I'm spending all of my money on. And Joe, I've never felt more seen in my life. (laughs) It just kind of exposes you a little bit. So what are you ashamed of? Which, by the way, this question comes with a caveat. 
we all have a little bit of money shame and it's just time to <laughs> shed it away For because sure. it's, you know, it is what it is. I eat out a lot. That's probably the biggest thing. I love to eat out. I really do. The week I get paid, I eat out a bunch <laughs> in celebration. We've talked about this before. Are you cutting back on the restaurants and dining experiences or you're just accepting it? Because if you know you're the restaurateur, then that should be your biggest budget category. Definitely. If you categorize your your spending like that. I've kind of transitioned to a little bit more of a quality over quantity situation. I think when I first, you know, moved to Chicago, I was trying every new place and I was always, you know, super disappointed in a hundred dollars broker. So I, I do my research a little bit more. I make it an occasion thing. I will spend the money if I know it's going to pay off. Let's talk about that for a second. I just started having this realization when it comes to travel, because in my early 20s, my mid 20s, I was broke and I was just like happy to be there. Not going to lie. I'm still just happy to be wherever I am, but I got some quality standards that I need to uphold. Like I just came back from this Airbnb in Rome and it was a two bedroom, two bath on paper. It was amazing. I was the first guest staying in there with my friend and I was like, you know what? This is a deal. I can get a deal on this since, you know, there are no reviews. And then I show up to the place covered in dust, covered in hair, stains on the sheets, silverfish, like these creepy little bugs coming out of the Mm -hmm. bathroom in the bedroom, went into one of my friends' suitcases. And I was just like, okay, this is something that I would have accepted in my early mid-20s. This is not something I ever want to accept again. And it was a big aha moment for me where I'm like, your girl's got quality standards now. Just because something is cheap and big, like a two bedroom, two bath, doesn't mean that it's worth it. Like I would have rather spend $30 more a night and gotten a clean place that I'm not worried about waking up with like a bug in my bed than this for a discount. So I think quality is a really important thing when it comes to budgeting. It's like, know what you're not willing to sacrifice quality on and allocate that. Just deciding what's worth it and what's not, right? A little bit off topic, but if I had a dollar for every time I saw an Airbnb that the pictures online were so pristine and then you get there and it's like, this is not at all what it looked like online. I'm like, they're selling me an Instagram haven. Like it is looking sleek, whitest sheets I've ever seen. I show up and it's like borderline looking like a busted old prison with stained (laughs) mattresses. I'm like, I got to get out of here. Um, I should have budgeted for for more when it came to that. Minus food. Is there one that you are trying to work on budget wise or a little not? I, I'm like just elevating in quality. I think this is what happens when you turn 30. You don't want to go out to a restaurant unless it's been recommended by a friend. Same thing with you. Like I go to restaurants and I'm all excited. I get there. The food is whack. And I'm like, if I could have cooked a better meal than I just paid $30 for a plate for it, I'm upset. And we're living in an age where you can find reviews. And so in theory, the reviews should save you. But I'm realizing that my quality is different than most people's quality. Like I'm I'm basically, I'm a little ashamed because I'm getting a little like snobbish for lack of a better word when it comes to quality. Because I'm like, I just know that there's better out there. Joe, there's nothing wrong with being a little bougie. Oh, I'm a little bougie when it comes to my taste, man. And this is not just for restaurants. This is for you know, entertainment for activities, for how hospitality is one that I'm really, really big on. If I go to a hotel and I'm paying 300 plus dollars a night, I expect to be treated well. 
because I've experienced being treated really well before in establishments like that. So whenever I go to a place where I'm like paying high prices and getting a low quality service, I'm just furious. I'm just like, dang. So I was even joking recently to my friend. I was like, you know, I should start being kind of like a food critic or like a vibe consultant when it comes to activities, restaurants, because I feel bad knowing that so many people are out there wasting their hard-earned money on low-quality food and experiences and accommodation. Now I hear that. I 100% hear that. So do your research is the first takeaway today. Do your research. <laughs> do your research and know your sources. Yeah. Know your sources because just because you see 100 reviews doesn't mean that those reviews are trustworthy. That's the issue with our society today. <laughs> it's true. I mean, there are. There's so many more reviews everywhere, but that just means there's just as many more fake reviews and stuff like that. Fluff reviews, people getting paid to leave reviews of places that suck, but that's for another day. <laughs> so we have our two, I feel like, fair problems. I'm working at it every day, eating out less, cooking more. Do you want to hear more about some other issues that people have with budgeting? Please. I think budgeting is very controversial because it's one of those things we all think we should be doing, but I honestly have a sneaky suspicion that not many of us do and or cannot stick to it. So hit me with the facts. The first one is people set unrealistic budgets. That's obvious one. I've done that a million times. When I first started working, I thought I could save a million billion dollars, but it's just not realistic. I have to pay rent. I have utility bills. I have bills now, Joe. It's it's not as easy as it seems. And that rent in Chicago costs a million billion dollars. So it's oh. a different landscape out there. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> Another one is that people have nothing to aim for. I set goals. I do. For like savings is the biggest one for me. I aim for a yearly savings goal. That's pretty much it though. I don't have a ton of goals because I get really disappointed if I don't make it, you know? Well, I think having short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals would be a great journal prompt for people out there to think about. Because yeah, I think if you have an attainable goal, then you just have a number in your mind. So that's a great way to start tweaking the relationship that we have with budgeting. Set some goals. Great thing to know. What else we got? We got that. Oh, okay. This is a good one. Other people are making you spend. Ooh, this seems a little dramatic and it's interesting. Touchy. Tell me more. It's, I mean, those. I'm one of them. I get FOMO. You know, if I get invited to something, I more nine times out of ten, I'm gonna want to go, or else I'll really feel like I'm gonna miss out. A lot of the time, I'll end up spending money that. I didn't need to spend. It's another one of those things where you spend the money for not the best payoff of enjoyment. You know, I found that if you have friends who spend a lot of money, you spend more money. And I've actually stopped hanging out with people because they spend too much money. And I never feel good after that. And it sucks because it's true that sometimes you need to isolate yourself a little bit socially or hang out with people who are aware of your situation and offer or propose like free things then if you're going to try to maintain these ridiculously expensive friendships for not much return in the wallet and heart space, we have not talked about this as a society yet, how there are some people that really just bleed your bank accounts. <laughs> it's true. It is so true. I think just be transparent at the end of the day. People's feelings don't get hurt that much when you're like, hey, I have this budget. I have this thing that I'm aiming for. I can't come out tonight. I'm sorry. Or proposing a free activity or like, hey, can we cook in together instead? I've right. had friends tell me that and I've told friends that like, hey, y'all, I'm on a money diet. So if you want to kick it with me, 
Let's get some creativity going. Let's play a board game. That's free. But (laughs) if you know that you have a goal, it's your responsibility to tell people in your life of this goal. Great takeaway. What else? Your budget isn't flexible enough or your budget is too strict. And I mean, I think this is just trial and error. You know, I think nobody's here teaching you what the right budget is. The right budget for me isn't going to be the right budget for you. It's just trial and error, figuring out what does work for you, for your situation. And your situation changes all the time, right? Your situation does change. And also your energy levels change and your opportunities change and your expenses change. I love the idea of an elastic budget, knowing that you're headed in the right direction, but not living a too strict life. It's almost the same thing with dietary preferences. Like I know some people have restrictions and allergies. I have a shellfish allergy. You're not going to catch me nibbling on a shrimp because I'm trying to like be elastic. (laughs) But you know, there are certain things for me, I eat pretty healthy nine times out of 10, but when I'm traveling, I'll eat pizza and cheese. And then of course I suffer because I'm a little bit lactose intolerant, but I'm not going to let my strict diet when I'm home and in machine mode, limit the life that I live when I feel like living that life. Or even alcohol is another example. Like, you know, having a cocktail here and there is one thing, but then I'm the kind of person that I'll drink a little bit and drink with you if it's a social environment. But it's everything in moderation. It's just that saying everything is good in moderation. Everything in moderation. I I completely agree. You can't be too strict. And I've, I've experienced this myself where I am trying to save so hard. I'm trying to budget so hard. I'll go off the deep end and end up spending more on something stupid than if I just, you know, moderately had fun here and there and moderately eat out. It's something I'm figuring out, Joe. We're we're figuring out together. (laughs) It is interesting to compare budgeting with like diet culture because it's almost like that you just like get so hungry that you eat everything. It's like you're depriving yourself of everything that you lash out and you end up buying, like you go on a shopping spree. And I've heard that from various people in my life as well, that they went on such a strict budget with themselves. They were like truly depriving themselves of the joy that made them feel like themselves. So that one day they just woke up and they're like, that's it. I'm going all out. <laughs> and they like get new credit cards and buy things that they don't need. So keeping in in that moderation mindset is key, I think. And I think that brings us to our next one, which is self-control. Great topic. I'm an impulsive person, Joe. I make impulse decisions left and right. So this is definitely something I've been working on personally a lot. What are you impulsive about? There's two heads of the snakes here. I didn't want to get into both today, but here we are. Y'all know I love this. (laughs) There's the eating out thing, which, which I am getting better on. And then there's the shopping thing. I think I've mentioned it before. I've always been really into like fashion and clothes and stuff like that. Since I was in high school, I think now 25-year-old Zave is buying a lot of stuff that 18-year-old Zave really wanted and couldn't afford. So it's a tough thing. What do you think 50-year-old Zave would be saying about mid-20s Zave? I think he'd say, I'm proud of you, but you can do a lot better. (laughs) And how could you do a lot better? I buy stupid things. I do. I buy something that it's an impulse thing. It really is. It's always an impulse thing. I'm like, wow, that looks really cool. I've wanted that since I was a kid. I got it now. Realized I don't really want it as an adult. (laughs) Okay, wait, what was the last? And I'll answer this too, because it's only fair. What was the last silly thing that you spent money on that you're like, I really didn't need that. And now I'm like X amount of dollars broker. And that was stupid. Oh, Joe, it's, it's gotta be this pair of shoes. 
It's a beautiful pair of Nikes. I spent more than I'm proud to say on them. How much? Admit it. I'll tell you how how much my stupid oh. purchase was. Eight <laughs> hundred. I no. did it, Joe. I ask me how many times I've worn them. How many times? Eight hundred dollars on a pair of shoes, kid. That's like oh. that is like a lot of dinners. That's a lot of things that make you actually <laughs> I know, happy. It sent me back. We are unpacking the money baggage today. Um, <laughs> okay, why? Well, I've always wanted them. They're so cool. They were so cool. I'm learning. I'm learning. It was an impulse buy. I saw them out. I was like, I must have them. So 50-year-old Zave, if you're listening, I'm sorry for that one. I'm going to forward this to you. I'm going to set a calendar alert in 25 years. <laughs> like, Zave, <laughs> listen to this. You still got those shoes. If anything, I would consider those shoes a trophy of, like, never to be impulsive. Every time I look at them, I'm like, you need to be smarter. You're but, really you know, <laughs> we're here talking about it. So that's one step in the right direction. Step by step. <laughs> For me, I'm very impulsive as well. I make decisions so fast about everything. Like I made the decision to buy my house within an hour and then I put in an offer within two hours and then I closed on the house as soon as I could. It was crazy. But like, this is how I buy everything. I walk into a store and I have this thing called an OPP, a one price policy. I will walk into a store if I don't know the store, I'll look at something that like a basic item, like a shirt. And I pick the price tag up. And if the shirt is more than $50, I will get out of the store. And then if the shirt is under $50, I'll walk around. But I scan the entire store and I know if I'm going to buy something in in five minutes or less. And if I need to buy it, I will not try it on. I will buy it because I know my size. It's crazy. So I am very impulsive when it comes to buying things for better or worse. Like I know exactly when I want something and exactly when I don't. And if I'm unsure... Are you pretty strict with it? If it's $52, but you really like it, are you going to do it or no? If I really like it, then I'll go to the clearance section and see what they got. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) No, but like, it's all about principle for me. If I'm in between, if I don't know if I want the item, I won't buy it. And if I'm still thinking about it the next morning, I'll go buy it. That's my main rule. But if I really want it, I buy it immediately when I see it. Because as my grandpa said, my grandpa had a rule he was always traveling and he's like, if you like something and you really like it, you have to really like it though, buy it when you see it. Because as a traveler, he realized that too many times he would sleep on it and come back and like the thing was gone and he regretted it. Mm-hmm. So again, there needs to be elasticity when it comes to decision-making and buying things, which affects your budget. I like that. What'd you call it? The one price? Oh, my the- OPP, the one OPP. Price policy. That's <laughs> yeah. smart. I, I might take that on. It might help me. In the long run, geez. Yeah, it like weeded out decisions that I didn't want to be making. I'm like, I'm not even going to look at anything in the store if a shirt is $75. Because I know that if a shirt's $75, pants are going to be like 400 And I'm, that's just like against my personal budgeting here. I have to admit the stupid thing that I bought, the last silly thing, I won't call it stupid. The last thing that I bought that I was like, why did I buy that? It was so impulsive. It was a scanner to digitally scan my journals, which I believe is going to be a great tool because I have a million journals and they're all going to like crumble away if I don't scan them. The thing is though, Zave, it came in, I took it out of the box and I never did anything with it. How much was it? It was like $350. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mean, like you still have it, right? I still have it. But like my fear is that I'll 
not do anything with it. So you have to hold me accountable. I will. Next time we chat, I'm going to say, hey, have you scanned anything lately? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a better purchase than $800 shoes that depreciate every time you tie them. Wow. When you put it like that, it's worse than a car driving off the lot. Jeez. Okay. We have one more common issue and then we'll move on. This one is people tend to forget about these one-off expenses. And I mean, that's something I've dealt with pretty recently too. Every year, me and my friends go to this music festival and we buy our tickets when they come out. And it's something I kind of forgot about until it was time to go. So kind of put me in a rough situation for a couple of weeks just because I had that one-off expense that I totally forgot that was coming. I think you got to approach budgeting like a company would approach it. Like as a company, they always have Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 quarterly budgets and goals. And that would be an interesting exercise to do as a human being, like looking at yourself as though you're the CEO and the CFO of your own life. Like you are the chief financial officer of your life and you know we're in Q1 now, when Q1 ends and Q2 begins, what is the amount of money that you need for the expenses that are coming up? Like what festivals are you going to? Whose birthdays are around the corner? Do you have weddings to go to? Because those are the one-off expenses that are very expensive. Right now in my 30s, everybody I know is getting married. And you look at every time you go to a wedding, you're like a dress, a gift, a flight, a hotel. And like that's $700 minimum every time I have to go to a wedding. And it's something that you wouldn't factor in if, you, if you're if you not listening to this Money Baggage podcast <laughs> that gives you these amazing thought starters. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'm going to start looking at my personal finances in these quarterly goals. I do this for Joe Club already, but really interesting to think about that as an individual. No, I totally agree. I think that's that's the next step for me is starting to, I mean, plan a little bit more shorter term than just this is my end of the year goal. This is my five years from now goal and start thinking what's coming in, you know, the next couple of months might save me some stress. Totally. And also just looking at the basics, I feel like budgeting, people think it needs to be so complicated. I don't really think it needs to be. It's just, what are the expenses that you have on a regular recurring basis every month? What are the one-time purchases that are specific to that month? Do the math of how much money you're going to need and then do the next, you know, math of all of your income. And then you see what the difference is and what you want to allocate to your savings, what you want to allocate to your investments. And then whatever's left over, you're like, wow, $1. (laughs) (laughs) And that's usually how it goes. (laughs) Right. Literally, some budgeting is better than no budgeting at all. It doesn't have to be this grand thing, but you know, somewhere to start. So here's next topic, right? Here's a couple places to start. We have a few pretty common budgeting methods So let's get into it. Yes. So these are researched that you found on the internet of like different ways to budget. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. Just, you know, easy ways to start what a lot of people do. It's mostly for, you know, first time budgeters like me a couple of years ago. (laughs) All right. So I'm pulling up your research. The first one is the one that you blew my mind with the last time we had a conversation about this, the 50-30-20 budget, where 50% goes to your necessities. This is like rent, your food, all of that. And then 30% goes to your wants. So your expensive shoes and scanners, and then 20% goes into savings and debt repayment. You can use it by itself or as a baseline for flexible budgeting methods. This is interesting because if it were my kind of budget as somebody who's very allergic to debt and really into investments, I would actually flip it on its head. I would say 50% goes to my necessities, 
30% goes to my savings and debt, and then 20% goes to my wants. But that's me. That would be my take on it. Yeah, I agree. I think 20% for savings and debt is pretty low. I think this method kind of suggests that that person doesn't have a ton of debt to pay um, in general. And we know we all got debt out there. We've done the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about it. But yeah, I think, you know, it's a good, it's a good starter. Like I did something kind of similar as much as I could to this in college. And yeah, it helped. It helped for sure. I mean, in college, I wasn't saving a ton. I didn't have a ton of debt to repay at the time. I didn't want that much. You know, I was just a broke college kid, but like it kind of just helped me stay in check a little bit better. All right, what else we got? The envelope system, what is that about? So the envelope system, this one's fun. If you need a rigid system to help you stop spending money frivolously or stay out of debt, but don't want to track every purchase, try this cash-based approach. You set a spending limit for each expense category like groceries, then fill the envelope with the allotted cash and use only that money for the purchase. Once the envelope is empty, you can't spend any more money on the particular category for the month. All right, I just got to air out the elephant in the room we're living in a borderline cashless society so like what are you going to do about that like show up to cash everywhere is like sorry apple pay only and also they're not factoring in the fact that our phones are wallets today so even if you show up without your credit cards or debit cards you still have your phone and you could still swipe that apple pay i like in theory i love this what would be cool it would be really cool and maybe this technology already exists If you can set up in your credit cards and debit cards, you can set up digital budgeting where it's like every category that you swipe. This is like a financial product. Whoever wants to build this, please sign me up for this, where you would get alerted when you hit your like budget. I know that this exists. You track your budgets based on your electronic spending with your credit cards or debit cards. And then you basically get alerted like, hey, you've already spent your budget in dining. But then you can just click ignore and like, reserve your next restaurant. (laughs) So yes. Okay. I like that. I think it's great if you can pay with cash around wherever you shop, but to be honest, I don't know if it's realistic in, in 2023. Joe, when's the last time you paid something in cash? Well, so I've been traveling in Europe right now and a lot of things are like the Rome Metro system. I think it's only with cash. So I have a bunch of foreign currencies in my wallet right now, which is just weighing me down. (laughs) Super dope. (laughs) I'm proud of it. Mm So yeah, I'll usually pay with cash abroad, but in the States, like I won't even leave my house with my wallet anymore. I'll just have my license on me and my phone. Yeah. I seriously cannot remember the last time I spent anything in cash, but in theory, and you know, I guess you could do it manually, like track what you're spending and tell yourself that you've hit it. This, if you're going to do this method, you got to be good on that self-control one because you're the only person that can hold you accountable here. What are some other, you know, modern budgeting methods? (laughs) So this one's called Pay Yourself First. Designed to align your spending and values, this reverse budget puts savings before immediate expenses. With this system, you decide how much you set aside from your monthly income for savings goals like retirement and an emergency fund, then use the rest for bills and other costs. That way, you don't have to crunch every number. So of all of these, this is the one that I follow probably the closest When I get paid, I put my money in savings aside and then I deal with everything else. So that's fascinating because that means that you're putting your debt in the back seat. Yeah, you could say I'm putting my debt in the back seat, putting my future (laughs) in the front seat, Joe. I like to see it that way. (laughs) 
I actually love that. It's tricky. I think this is where you would really need some math to do some math and understand if you're putting money in a savings account and the APY, as in the interest that you're earning on it, is higher than your debt APR, which never is the case because debt APR is like really high most of the time. Like you got to do the math, right? Because if you're saving, but then your debt is accumulating into such a high amount, then it doesn't make sense. I need an advisor. (laughs) Can you get an (laughs) advisor on the line? You and me both. Maybe we should call one up for the next episode. (laughs) Like, how do I budget? What do I do? (laughs) Tell me what to do. No, but so anyways, I do like this psychologically speaking because you're, you feel good. Like you're more motivated when you know that your money is going to go towards the things that you have in mind as far as your savings goals and your investment goals. And for that, I think it's valuable. I think, you know, doing this, this uh, method kind of helped me start to get that, um, you know, six month emergency fund. When I graduated college, I basically had no savings at all. It might be time for me to switch methods, but I think using this method in the workforce, first entering, helped me get that savings so I could have that cushion. If all else fails, if everything hits the fan, I think I'll land on my feet. So that was the biggest thing for this method, I think. I like that. We love a good landing pad. (laughs) So we got one more. Yeah. Lastly, we have the zero-based budget method. This budget suits overspenders and meticulous planners alike. It makes monitoring your spending clear. You take your monthly income and use every dollar in a deliberate way, like saving a certain amount for a trip and paying for utilities and groceries until there are zero dollars left. But if you don't strictly use cash as the envelope system, you'll have to log each expense to make sure you're on budget. Okay, this one's a little interesting. What did you get from that? What's your translation of that? I think it means you have to be very calculated and really pay attention to everything you're spending because it says you want to clear out it all, you know, and I think a lot of people at the end of each pay period and they have a little bit left over, they're like, oh, cool, I can buy something. Oh, cool. I can put more into my savings, whatever. This is kind of, I think intentional is the word. Be intentional with every dollar you have. What are your thoughts? I agree. I was just going to say like no dollar left behind. With this method, you should not have that left over. What do we do with this money? Because you've already pre-planned that every dollar you have is going to go towards one aspect of your life that brings you value or pays down your debt or is your savings or investments. My, I guess, rebuttal to this is this works for people who know what their income is every single month without any kind of wavering, which is not my case, as we've talked about many times that I have a spiky lifestyle. So like, I can't do that unless I know, I don't know, maybe I could. I like the idea of creating buckets and just saying, okay, I want to spend this much money on trips. I want to spend this much money on education. And then just making sure that you spend the money where you've already pre-planned for it to go. Mm Mm-hmm. This might be the irresponsible side of me talking, but it's always, it's kind of nice about the end of the month when you have a little extra money and I can eat out again, or I can save a little bit more. (laughs) So I don't know if this is the one for me, but it's an interesting tactic. You like the surprise at the end of the month of like, 
money, 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 money. <laughs> like, I'm doing so good this month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all just want validation. Hit me with a statistic, Zave. Tell me what does America look like when it comes to budgeting? A couple of shocking facts here. So 73% of Americans say that they don't regularly follow a budget, according to a recent survey by OpLoans, a loan servicing company. What's more interesting is that one in 10 respondents say that they don't keep any budget at all. Yeah, I'm part of this 73%. Like, gotta be real, y'all. I don't budget. I just... Save and invest, save and invest and not like just invest in stocks and things like that, but invest in myself, invest in my company, invest in my skills and knowledge. I mean, yeah, I feel like this, it's a high number, but it's hard to regularly follow like a strict budget. Like it is, things come at you fast. Life happens fast. And I'm realizing that the more I grow up, like you have random expenses. So it's hard to regularly do it, but I think you say you don't budget, Joe, but I think save and invest, save and invest, like that's a form of budgeting, right? Is it though? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I'm like, can some, can, I need an advisor on the line next time. Like, what is the, what am I doing? Am I okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, it works for me. Like, I think the point with budgeting, the point with budgeting, if I sum it up, is just to have that feeling of safety in your finances and to feel like everything is under control. Budgeting is a way to feel like everything is under control. And I guess whatever way you do that and make sure that you feel under control, like that is technically a form of budgeting. Totally. And then one in 10 don't keep any budget at all. Do you think that's high, low? I actually am surprised. I thought it would be higher. I thought so too. I mean, if 73% don't follow one regularly, only one in 10 don't keep one at all. Like, Yeah. Good job, I don't know. Good, but Good job. <laughs> What other facts do we have to wrap it up? So only 32% of U.S. households prepare a monthly budget. Out of those who budget, 70% of them take time to check their spending against it at least once a week. Okay. That's interesting. This is the kind of person who's so conscientious that... Again, I do this with my business. I check my business once a week because, again, I have I have people to pay. And I can imagine if I had a household with kids and, and like a partner, I would be doing the same thing. It's like operating a business. You need to make sure you have enough money to clothe everybody, feed everybody, pay for everybody's school. So, yeah, catch me in, you know, in the software, check in the accounts once a week. <laughs> do you check your personal finances once a week also? Well, I do, but it's just not as active as my business. With my business, there's a lot of flow of like incoming, outgoing. Again, like if you look at a household with two or three kids, imagine how many meals that is a week. You got to stay on top of it. And that makes sense. I think I'm a little inconsistent when it comes to this. I think at the very least, I'd check it every other week and just see what's been going on. But then I also get into these modes where I get really stressed about my money and I'm checking it like every other day. And I'm like, what did I spend this, this and this on? So I think I could find a middle ground. Once a week sounds like a good middle ground. Yeah, like money Mondays, just pop in for an hour, set a timer, see what's going on and then get out. (laughs) Get in, get out. Money Mondays. That's why our podcast launches on Mondays. Money Mondays. (laughs) So this is everyone's reminder to go in and check what you spent your money on last week, right? Go see what's up. Exactly. Thanks so much for listening. That was it. I feel like I need to just whip out some spreadsheets and get my budgets right and tight. 
This podcast, Money Baggage, is brought to you by Hightower Advisors to bring financial literacy to everyone listening. Don't forget to give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. Joe's DMs are always open. Ask us any questions. We'd love to answer them at Joe underscore Franco. We'll be back next week with more goodness to help unpack all of this money baggage. We'll see you there. This podcast is a simulation and is for educational purposes only. Joe Franco is presenting the information in this podcast in her capacity as a consultant to Hightower Holding LLC and its affiliates and subsidiaries and not as an actual client of Hightower Advisors LLC. The material provided in this podcast is prepared and researched by its author and does not service as an endorsement or a reflection of the views of Hightower Holding LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower does not make any representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of the information contained herein. Hightower Advisors LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC member FNIRA SIPC.